Welcome to the Legendarium. I did Hagrid like this. It was a magnificent thing when we were walking through. Okay, you're done. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium podcast, a very special edition. My name is Craig Hanks, and I'm your host. And over there... He's as dumb as a troll, and I also keep him in the dungeon. It's Ken Johnson. Dude, if there were a spell called Bloviate, you would be a frickin' wizard. I don't know what to say to that. Well, he's hairier than a weird sister, but he's uh, not nearly cool enough to be in a band. It's Kyle Lemon. Dude, okay, I'll take it. (laughs) And if I had a time turner, I'd go back and stop his mother from dropping him. It's Ryan Bruckman. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I keep giving him my socks, but he just won't go away. It's Todd Wenty. Todd Wenty has a sock? So for those of you keeping track, if you're doing math at home, there are five of us in studio today, uh, and we're talking Harry Potter. So if you didn't get any of those, it's because you haven't read enough Harry Potter to listen to this episode, uh, which should be approximately none of you who listen to this podcast. Uh, So today, yes, we're talking Harry Potter because if you are listening to this on the day it's released, like you should because you've subscribed on iTunes or elsewhere, then you are listening on Harry Potter's birthday. Uh, July 31st is, if it's not already, it will soon be a British national holiday, I'm sure. It's Harry Potter's birthday, and so we thought this would be a good chance to kind of uh, let go of some of our other popular uh, series. Right now we're reading Wheel of Time, but... uh, not everybody's keeping up with us there, so we thought it would be a good idea to do something a little more general Popular. audience, so to speak. So here we are, uh, I, and there have been a lot of people who have asked for that, so I, I hope you appreciate our sacrifice uh, in not reading book 10 of Wheel of Time quite yet. It's, uh, okay, that's not hard to do. Riveting? <laughs> it's, yeah, not. It's not riveting. So before we get started on Harry Potter, I will just remind everybody, go to patreon.com slash legendarium and support the show there. In fact, I just had the other four guys all sign the novel that we are sending out to our $5 level patrons. Uh, so I won't tell you what that novel is. I'll, I'll let it be a surprise for those people, but we'll send that out along with some cool legendary merchandise that we've got. Uh, and hopefully you guys all enjoy those. And I'll also mention thelegendarium.reddit.com. Go join the conversation there. There will be a discussion thread there for you to yell at us because I'm sure that we will get many, many Harry Potter facts wrong. What? We will anger the muggles? Understand? <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll, we'll anger the wizarding folk or as well. Or technically, technically, sorry, the nomadges. For those in America. Oh, oh gosh. Here we go. Oh, dear. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It does not have the same ring to it as Muggles. Uh, okay, so... It's like saying something with a British accent versus an American accent. I am going to try very hard to get us through an entire episode about Harry Potter without letting Ken d- discuss Emma Watson's looks. That's very important to me. Now you've put it in his head. Oh, I know, but I want him to consciously decide not to say anything about Emma Watson. I'll, it wasn't even on my mind until you just mentioned it, so thank you. Baloney. You're, no, your fault. <laughs> I'll try and keep my hand on the microphone and keep him away. So many jokes. So many jokes. 
<laughs> All right. So, uh, it being a, a Harry Potter episode now, normally if it were a regular Legendarium episode, we would have read one of the Harry Potter books and we'd be getting to get together to discuss it. And we would try not to spoil future books and all that stuff. This is not that. This is just us celebrating an awesome uh, story that we've all enjoyed, both in book and movie format. And so I'll just say right now, uh, spoilers. If you are reading or have not read Harry Potter and you want to read it, uh, we're just going to discuss all the way up to the end. So as of right now, if you haven't read Harry Potter, shut off your podcast uh, delivery device. And if you haven't read Harry Potter or even seen the movies, where have you been for the last, what, 20 years? Well, yeah, I should have said obligatory spoiler alert. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's probably unnecessary. So uh, I want to start by asking you guys which house, which Hogwarts house you would belong in and why. Well, no, not why, because I only want you to talk for up to 20 seconds. Uh, but can you look like you're raring to go? Which house would you want to be in? And then we will tell you which house you actually would be in. Which house would I want to be in? Uh, I don't know. Actually, probably, probably Gryffindor. And according to Pottermore, Gryffindor is what I'm in, which kind of surprised me because I didn't seem to me like I would be all that heroic or brave. But hey, I couldn't, agree. Rowling, couldn't agree more. J.K. Rowling doesn't lie. Okay, Todd. Uh, I was sorted into Ravenclaw when I went to Pottermore. Thank you very much. So I have uh, abandoned all hopes that I would be sorted anywhere but Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw forever. Ravenclaw is where I am. Ravenclaw. <laughs> um, I was also sorted into Ravenclaw, although I think there's a strong case to be made for me uh, belonging in Slytherin. Oh, I was going to say Hufflepuff. Dude, you're a Hufflepuff. <laughs> That's, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are funny. Uh, Ryan, what's your what's your house? Uh, it's always been Gryffindor. Yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't mind. I mean, this is coming from the guy who refuses to hear any argument that the Empire might not be as evil as we think in Star Wars. What are you talking about? I've, and like, I've entertained that that <laughs> load of tripe and drivel. <laughs> You're like, how could the Jedi possibly be anything other than saints? Okay, Gryffindor then. Yeah, Gryffindor. And right. if. If you've listened to the podcast and know me at all, it's pretty... It's pretty accurate. Kyle? Uh, probably House Lannister. Oh, wait. No, wrong book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be Gryffindor also, right? No, I, I like to consider myself as a Durmstrang student. I'm a, I'm a rogue. Nice. I, uh, I don't know that I would fit in at Hogwarts. The beard makes you very much a Durmstrang. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's out of left field. All right, sounds good. So, um, you tell me a little bit about your guys' experience with Harry Potter. Um, now, Ken and Todd, you guys were already um, in your fifties when it came out. Is that late forties, man? Oh, okay, sorry. Todd was. Uh, I, I was in my sixties. I'm sure. Okay. Uh, well, I've been reversing age because of the time turner that my children gifted me with. You don't look a day over seventy, buddy. Thanks. Uh, no, that. but uh, I, I I would like to hear because it's easy for millennials like the three of us to say like oh yeah we're in grade school and everybody was reading it and so i read it like that's kind of a common story but for old men like you how did you come upon harry potter and how'd you first read it so i'll, I'll go first i'll let ken come in afterwards and talk about all the punching that's in all of these books um i um i, I got introduced to them by my mother who said that somebody else in her neighborhood was reading them with their grandchildren 
And so we got the Sorcerer's Stone and I read the first book myself, uh, thinking that I was going to be reading it to see if my children were going to be ready for it. They were like six and seven. And I realized, oh, they, they can enjoy the story. I don't think they'll ever read the book. And so what we did is we, we made it a family affair and we read like the first three books uh, one right after the other on, on Sunday afternoons instead of television for a little while. That was a lot of fun and a very, uh, a very good experience for my children, uh, learning more about what makes their dad tick. Um, and I don't nerd mean wise. nerd wise, nerd wise. I made up different voices for all of the characters. And by the time we went to see the first movie, my children looked at me at one point and said, dad, you had all the voices better except for Hagrid's. And I was like, thank you, children. I love you very much. Okay, I need to hear one voice. I did Hagrid like this. It was a magnificent thing when we were walking through. Okay, you're done. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Ken, how'd you, how'd you come upon Harry Potter and uh, and why is it better than you? Honestly, uh, I was working. Oh, you need to, me to list the reasons why it was better than me. I mean, come on. This is me. Don't give in, Ken. We don't hold 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 strong. We're gonna need a second. We're gonna need a second part if we were gonna do that. But, <laughs> uh, honestly, I didn't come along upon Harry Potter until I don't know how many books we were in but the movie had come out and I hadn't paid attention to Harry Potter it was just some children's book series and that and I hadn't paid a lot of attention to it but once the movie started coming out I thought okay I, I'll see what all the fuss is about and go and see it and so I went and saw it my wife had read it um, the first couple and everything and so we I, I had to jump on to just see what all the fuss was about and by book six I think I think Half-Blood Prince was coming out when I finally actually started reading yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one. And but, I got but, it were you, but it was kind of on your own then. Yeah. It, it wasn't was, like reading to your kids or something. No. Now, it, was, the, it was catching up with pop us, culture. The three of us, me and Ryan and Kyle, we're all around the same age, give or take. And so I think the first book came out when we were in like sixth grade. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was, I, I was a snob. I was a little book snob. And so was? I, that surprises all of us so much. Uh. I, I murder people for fun. I, I've decided in the that. last few minutes that if Ken ever dies a horrible, violent death, that Craig will have started his Horcrux collection, and that's that's his <laughs> first first go. Uh, no, no, no. I so I I was a book snob, and what it was was like it, I was in sixth grade, and for a couple of years already, I had been reading like adult books. My mom had handed me these like science fiction novels and and large fantasy novels. I had been reading these. John Grisham's Disclosure. <laughs> uh, that was actually I had, my brother gave me that for Christmas in the eighth grade and he had no idea what was in it. <laughs> and that was uh, that was Michael Crichton actually. Oh Michael Crichton sorry. <laughs> but uh, I remember but, you showing uh, me that book going there's stuff in here. It was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I had never read anything like that up to that point. I think it was like page 84, everybody, if you want to go check out the paperback. Uh, so anyway, so I'd been reading larger books, and then this Harry Potter thing came along, and everybody's like, yeah, it's about this kid, and he's a wizard, and he goes to wizard school, and I'm like... That was his impression of me. <laughs> and I was like, screw you, you little six year, six, sixth grade plebs. I'm going to go read my adult novels now. Uh, adult novel having a, a certain double entendre here. <laughs> did you call them adult novels i'm just curious i'm just i'm just really curious remember anyway, at this so, point he had not read lord of the rings either that's true that's true oh. um and I, i've told you about that where mm -hmm. yeah our mutual friend nick gave me i was like 15 he gave me lord of the rings and i was like that's the dumbest title i've ever heard i'm gonna go read the sword of shannara now uh anyway so i, I wasn't a smart book snob but i was a book snob 
But anyway, um, anyway, I, and I, I did end up reading it because my high school girlfriend eventually said, I will break up with you unless you read Harry Potter. And I was like, oh, fine. And then I was like, this is legit. This is awesome. And then that was that was kind of it. Uh, similar for you guys, or were you not book snobs? I have a rare experience or rare opportunity with Harry Potter. I don't remember when I first started reading it, and I don't remember much of the process of reading them. It's been, I read them as they came out and I don't remember anything else about yeah. it really. Yeah. So when we when lost in the mists of time, like I, there's a handful of things that I can remember about what happens in the books that aren't in the movies or whatever. But I honestly can say that it would be an almost new approach if I went back and read them again, because I don't remember when I read them first mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle. Uh, mine's probably more similar to yours. I had just finished reading the Hobbit and I was in the middle of reading Jurassic Park, and my dad gave me a copy of Harry Potter before we went on one of our every summer vacations to um, Expecto y- Brontosaurus. So we were up to, on, in the motorhome, and he'd always give us a book or something like that to entertain us for the drive. And they gave me a copy of Harry Potter uh, and the Sorcerer's Stone, and so I read that. I put down Jurassic Park for a little while because it was kind of scary. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah and uh which i love now by the way but <laughs> if you know me at all you know it's jurassic park and top gun all the way um but yeah so I read and Her- those Harry are Potter. not mutually exclusive he often watches them at the same time at the same time say that would be an awesome hybrid i that mean be a great mashup imagine tom cruise <laughs> flying an f-14 chasing a tyrannosaurus rex yes. that sounds fun pterodactyl fight i believe that's sequence. going to be in top gun too velociraptor is your call sign yeah, yeah. exactly but yeah, so I read it. I read it on the drive to Yellowstone National Park in at the top bunk of our family motorhome. Yeah, and I remember that. I I will say what my my very earliest experience with Harry Potter was. I mean, besides telling people that they were idiots for reading such childish tripe, uh, what who who else used tripe? Did you use tripe? Yes, on it? I okay, used that's tripe. where I got that. Okay, so. Um, I was I was in my kitchen one day and I, and this was when the first movie was coming out and and uh, and I had my back turned to the TV but the preview came on the trailer came on the TV and you hear this dun, 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 and and in my head it was immediate and there was no question about it that that was Harry Potter and it was I, as far as I'm concerned it's the most fitting theme ever written for a movie just for that and and that's you know just for me personally where it is so obviously about a boy wizard who discovers a whole new world that it couldn't possibly be anything else and so i remember thinking to myself oh that's that harry potter book that everybody's reading and i turned around and sure enough it was so hats off to john williams for that one yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a fantastic. Have you heard the Top Gun theme? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Superman would like no, to argue. I had a Here's what I'm going to say. So I, I'm going to say we've we've talked about how we will our vote can be bought very easily by the next American presidential candidate who runs on the platform of I will replace the national anthem with the Top Gun anthem. Yep, I've been yeah. I've had uh, Danger Zone or over oh, this for like a year. And and I I would say that Not Danger uh, Zone, the actual No, you're talking guitar about anthem. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, the Harold Faltermeyer yep, exactly. guitar riff. Um but uh Brits should probably feel the same about Harry Potter. 
Like that is our na- our new national anthem, which would be a very interesting and melancholy thing for athletes to do during the Olympics. They like get on the front, uh, the top of the podium, and then you hear these little chimey bells, ding, 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 and everybody's like, "What the hell is going on around here?" <laughs> All the athletes pull out a wand and hold up a light <laughs> at the top. There. <laughs> little LED. Yes, I. That's how they actually raise the flags for the winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I demand that this happen. Uh, okay, okay. So now that we've got a little bit warmed up. There is, uh, there's a big difference between the books and the movies. Uh, it, what? I can't believe such a thing would ever happen. And I want to know, I don't want to hear everybody bitch and moan about the differences yet, necessarily. <laughs> but I do want to hear, so I want you guys to rank your favorites. But I want to hear both your list for movies and your list for the books. And so, uh, do you guys have those already? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. So, Ryan, why don't you go first? So, books in descending order, worst to best. Uh, order of the Phoenix, Chamber of Secrets, Sorcerer's Stone, Half-Blood Prince, Goblet of Fire, Deathly Hallows, Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, Cursed Child would probably, I didn't add that originally, um, but it would probably sit... Somewhere near Chamber of Secrets, between Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets. I liked it a little bit better than Sorcerer's Stone, but uh, or a little better than Chamber of Secrets, but not by much. So, okay. All right. Um, movies follows a pretty similar line. Does it? Mm-hmm. With the exception being Goblet of Fire and Deathly Hallows swapping. I really like the Goblet of Fire film. Yeah. And uh, Deathly Hallows being that it was split into two. Um, the first one I didn't care for at all. Like, it, the setup, I was just kind of bored. It was first. really boring, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but part two, I would put up there at the top, but part one would have to sit towards the bottom, which is weird to say about one story, but when you split it into two movies, you run that risk. All right, all right. Kyle, go ahead. Um, I don't have it pre-made, but off the top of my head, probably my, f- it's probably almost in backwards order. I mean, that's that's hard to to justify. The, are you talking about the books? The books, because... Yeah. Obviously, you have to have all of that set up to get the payoffs, but yeah. Deathly Hollows is probably my favorite. Um, not a huge, I, I won't give you like the actual list, I'll just kind of give you the highlights. I love Deathly Hollows as the favorite. My least favorite is probably Order of the Phoenix or um, Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay, so, all right, Ken. Surprisingly, uh, a lot the same. Uh, novel rankings. Uh, least to, to number one, Order of the Phoenix, Prisoner of Azkaban, Chamber of Secrets, Sorcerer's Stone, Deathly Hallows, Half-Blood Prince, and and best one, Goblet of Fire, number four. I think that's pretty much... Are you talking about the books? Yeah, the books. Okay. That's fairly consensus, it sounds like. Uh, film rankings, Prisoner of Azkaban, two words, Time Turner. Anyway. Wait, oh, Ken doesn't like time travel. Isn't that a travel. hyphenated word? Ken, you know, you are a walking cliche unto yourself. Two Two more words. Divination. Anyway. Oh, that was the best part. No. <laughs> okay, Todd. Go ahead. All right, number two, Chamber of Secrets. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Todd. No, 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 really. Go ahead. I want to hear the rest of your movies. Uh, Chamber of Secrets, Goblet of Fires, uh, number five, Half-Blood Prince, Sorcerer's Stone, uh, and then the, the top three really kind of rotate a little bit, but they're always the same. Deathly Hallows, number one, uh, Deathly Hallows, number two, and The Order of the Phoenix, uh, probably the top movie for me, which is funny because it's it's my least favorite of the books. So, yeah, all right, all right, Todd, let's hear it. So, uh, my book ranking again, 
Uh, least favorite to the to the best. Okay, Chamber of Secrets, Deathly Hallows, believe it or not, um, was my second least favorite book. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, Sorcerer's Stone, Half-Blood Prince, Order of the Phoenix, and Goblet of Fire being my favorite book. Goblet of Fire, favorite book. Okay. Yep. Um, and and it was really hard for me to choose between Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix. And it's probably it probably has as much to do with the fact that my children were as invested with me in those books at the at that time at that time. Yeah. And so, so there's a nostalgia factor. There's some there's some real nostalgia on my part for how I grade those and for ha- where I put those books. Um, as far as movies, uh, Half Blood Prince was my least favorite. Chamber of Secrets, Prisoner of Azkaban, Sorcerer's Stone, then Goblet of Fire, Deathly Hallows one and two, and Order of the Phoenix. All right. That's respectable. I, I, I guess. I guess it's respectable. I am amazed at how wrong all of you are. It's, it's astounding to me. So, my... and none of us are surprised that you are so wrong in your <laughs> assessment of us. Uh, so, in the with the books, the books are very clearly from bottom to top. Uh, the uh, the worst book in the series is probably the last, uh, Deathly Hallows. Then it goes Order of the Phoenix, and then it goes uh, number one, the Philosopher's Stone, and then uh, what, what's you with your pretentious British Philosopher's Stone? I do not own the American ones. I own the British ones because I was in Europe when I got really into the series, and so I ended up with all the British versions. And so it's always been the Philosopher's Stone to me. Uh, and then Goblet of Fire is right in the middle, so that's number four. And then my top three are. Um, they, they go, I, I only have the numbers written down here. So number three is... Prisoner of Azkaban. Yep. So Prisoner of Azkaban is uh, third best. The Chamber of Secrets is second best. And uh, and the, 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 the Half-Blood Prince is the best book. Uh, the movies are very, very easy to do because the worst one is one of the worst movies ever made. And that's Order of the Phoenix. I hate that movie so much. Um, I knew you were going to say that when I made my list. Yeah, I hate no, that movie. The, first the two fact that I liked it, I knew awful. you'd hate it. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, in fact, um, the first movie is number one for me. I've never seen an adaptation that was so perfectly made for its purpose. So it may not be as good now, but you watch it in the mindset and with the spirit of an 11-year-old child, and it is perfect. It is pitch perfect. Um, anyway. Which is a great movie, too. So yeah, that that's that is the best one. The second best one by a very narrow margin. Second best one is Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, because you are so wrong. I'm sorry. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's just so imaginative. It's so different from. It's different from the first two without uh, going into too much adultness like the rest of the movies do. From four onward, it's Did too you hear that? adult. All of our dozens of listeners just turned off their radio (laughs) (laughs) kyle i like the fact that you said all of our dozens (laughs) you're so optimistic (laughs) exactly no i guess whatever we We have more than dozens i I, don't you guys think like look these these stories were made like for kids and then by the time you get into like the movies five six and seven and eight they they're too adult they're too like they're too dark and coming from the sixth grader reading adult literature no they're too they're too dour (laughs) they're too like they're too hopeless there's nothing uh there's nothing fun or cheerful about them the way that harry potter is i think it does you know i think that was one of my chief complaints about the last two or three books as well as the last two or three or four movies is that she she gets 
super dark in them yeah. in the sense that, I mean, nobody is safe. I mean, it shouldn't be a complaint. It's actually kind of, uh, it's actually kind of satisfying that, that nobody is safe. And it, like in real life, you know, anybody can die at any time. And if in this crisis of world, you know, Fred bites it, which is sad, spoiler alert, that, you know, it happens and you have to deal with it and you have to watch the characters deal with it. And it's tragic, which is I good. Just, I think it's... she does. She does a better job in the books of mixing that with the fun childlike magic. Yes. I, and I, than I they agree. do in the movies. Yeah, I would agree. But I also think that it's um, a measure of her uh, of her dealing with the characters coming of age. You know, when I one of the things that I loved about the books is that in the beginning, there was a a, a real focus on hopefulness and on. Uh, the potential that was going to exist in on, on all of these characters' lives. And as they got older and started to come of age and start recognizing that there are some very real consequences to the choices that they make, that's reflected very clearly in the books. This idea that death is permanent. Um, I remember I remember when I read that when I read Dumbledore dying, uh, in in the scene where he dies, I I cried. I didn't cry as hard as my kids did, but I cried. Um be, but I, because I knew he was never going to come back, um, and I knew that she was not going to subscribe to any cheap parlor tricks to uh, <laughs> to to bring him back until Harry's death. Well, you know, you, you get to you get to a you get to a spot where you can see the the uh, near death experience, and I I wrote that off that way, um, at least in my own mind. But I really I, I really was pleased that she dealt with these characters with these children having to come to grips with real grown-up kinds of issues i won't say adult issues <laughs> um just because i don't want to offend the last listener that we have listening in yeah maybe okay so thanks mom <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to a different subject though i've got a question for you guys now we all are americans and so we probably never had school uniforms did anybody here have school uniform did you really kyle yes sir rocky mountain junior high school awesome man so that was okay. The worst. Now, being the only person here who has ever had a school uniform, I yes. wanted to ask: school uniforms, yay or nay? Nay. No. I, I also taught at a school with school uniforms, and big, huge nay. Really? Okay. Yes. So tell me why? Because I think it's adorable with all these little kids running around in their wizard robes. <laughs> if our uniform were wizard robes, yeah, I'd be all for it. Yeah, for sure. You have three uh, color polo options and jeans and a, the, or shorts. Because yeah. the idea behind school uniforms doesn't work um the idea is that everybody's the same there's no like class differential whatever within the school itself but having been both a student and a teacher in schools with student uniforms um it's still very very apparent um what happens is families have to spend more money to purchase the school uniforms as well as purchase regular clothes and that doesn't always happen so the school uniforms get run down and battered faster than normal clothes for usually, the poor kids you mean for the kids that can't afford it afford it yeah and so i believe that it creates a larger divide um and it also takes away you know self-expression and things like that but my biggest concern was a lot of my students that were not in well-to-do families would come with the same they have one school uniform mm -hmm. that they would wear every single day and so not a fan Okay. Oh, that was the saddest thing I've ever heard. When when my children were younger, they uh, my two younger children went to a uh, school that required school uniforms for the for the first three years or so that they were there, 
And that was one of the things that we noticed. We were in a situation where where we were able to get them some decent uniforms, uh, but even decent uniforms when you're starting to talk about you know, wearing the same, you've got two pair of pants and they're going to go through them. As soon as he started to grow, we were like, oh boy, here we go. Um, it's a, it's a really interesting switch in mindset when you say, oh, it has to be this pair of pants. Um, if you're a family that can't afford to do that, it, it, like Ken was saying, the Weasleys of the world, um, whether it's in the wizarding world or in the muggle world, they pay a price when uniforms have to be worn. All right. Well, this got real depressing real quick. Hope you enjoyed the five minutes of school district policy as told by the Harry Potter <laughs> no, I was just saying it like We just know, went it's... from the early Harry Potter books to the middle Harry Potter books <laughs> in tone. There there always one of, this is sidebar. <laughs> one, of the, always, one of my complaints about uh, the Weasleys in their hand-me-down robes and all that. They're wizards. Can't they just, you know, wave their wand and make their robes new again? You don't know Honestly. anything about anything, Ken. I, apparently you are don't. the Jon Snow of this, this podcast. This guy's a nomad <laughs> over here. I won't even call him a muggle. He's a nomad. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I did notice. I noticed that none of us tried to work Fantastic Beasts into our list anywhere. Actually, Fantastic Beasts uh, fits right above Chamber of Secrets. Oh, right I'm sorry. Goblin I didn't Fire hear it. I didn't okay. say it at the time, but if that you're asking. It depends. Are we talking the Harry Potter franchise or are we talking the Harry Potter series? Because... I, I like I included Cursed Child because it's a Harry Potter story as well. Yeah, but I only figured we were talking Harry Potter, that not the franchise as a whole. Yeah, yeah me too. I, me too. I, I only I don't even count anything else anymore. She's annoyed me so much in the years since the seventh book has come out that I'm like, yeah, I'm done listening to you and reading your stuff. But I'll take those seven books. Oh, what? Never mind. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Say it, Ryan. Say oh, it. I was going to talk about Go Baron there. and Luthien or something. Nope. Nope. What? Uh, Just say it. This is a safe, right I was going to say, I didn't, I didn't realize space. we were on Piers Morgan's podcast. Oh. I don't even get that. I don't know what you're talking about. You, That's okay. <laughs> like I'm still in the room. That's why it's okay. It's probably a good thing he doesn't know right now. <laughs> uh, okay, you explain the joke. Piers Morgan and J.K. Rowling have gone at it on Twitter a couple times. And, okay. Um, mainly because he's... A wank? Yeah. Okay. Um, so but she, he, he has openly said, I won't read any more of her books or I won't do anything because she's offended me. And she's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she doesn't need any of our money. That's, mm, yeah, that is accurate. Um, she has more money than the queen. So that's also reportedly accurate. Yeah. I'm sure she got her Illuminati invitation by the time the fourth book was written. So. <laughs> no, I I guess it's not because like oh I I won't read any more of her stuff, but yes I do find her annoying, um, and I just haven't felt the need. There hasn't been either, of the people I've talked to, the reactions for things like Fantastic Beasts and uh, Cursed Child have been so mixed that I just I just figure maybe I'll get to it someday. I don't really care. I don't feel the drive. It, because it, it doesn't have that, that feel of a cultural phenomenon that the original series does. Yeah, it's so I would have a bigger problem with with it if it felt like it was a money grab or something. Uh-huh. They don't feel like that. It, it does yeah. feel like to me that what she's trying to do now is this fan base wants more than what it has. And she's trying to create ways that they can do it. So Pottermore's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. Um as it was an attempt to give the fan base this expanded universe that didn't exist and a chance to explore and grow that wasn't there before, um, and it's not enough. The the fan base wants even more than that, more than this 
little website that they can go to and find out what one they have and what is their what's their patronus, patronus and stuff yeah. like that. You know, they want more canonized story, and so the way to do that is they take the Harry Potter stories and they and turn it into the franchise as a larger piece and say we're not gonna touch the Harry Potter story if we don't have to any more than we can, but we're gonna do the Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go ahead and do Cursed Child, which is a Harry Potter story, but we're going to shift the focus to the children of the of the Potters and the Weasleys and yeah, yeah. whatever. We're going to shift that in the Malfoys. Um, so that that way we're not encroaching on what is nigh unto sacred territory to geeks and, and nerds. So I, 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 I don't have a problem with the, the creation of new stuff, and I don't, you're right, it isn't the cultural phenomenon that it was because it's not new anymore. It's lost the novelty. But it is still enjoyable. It's still worth the time if if you are if you have it and you're inclined to and you're and you and you like the Harry Potter series. It's still worth the worth going into. Just don't expect it to be Harry Potter. Right. It's that world. It's, it's the that Harry brand. Potter world. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not Harry Potter. Do you guys have opinions on whether an author once a work is published should expound on the subject of their own work? Or should they shut the hell up and let everybody else do the talking at that point? Uh, there's two schools of thought on that, and I, I'm a bit torn myself, although I know which way that I, I lean. Uh, but there's she's very active on Twitter. She runs Pottermore. She keeps talking about the original series. And the, the big one, which was, what, a year or so after the last book came out, was Dumbledore's Gay. And... There's no indication of this anywhere in the books, um, but she she puts that in there, and then people can now go, oh yeah, okay, I can see that. Um, but that's but it's not part of the original series. But now she has inserted that into it, and there's been other things, but it's just the one that kind of comes to mind right now. It, do you guys have an opinion on whether this is desirable or undesirable? Does it alter the plot? If they're inserting something that alters a plot line, I'm probably inclined to say you shouldn't be doing it because you should have written it that way in the first place. If it's just like, you know, a little FYI, a little more about this character or whatever, I don't have a problem with it. Probably the most egregious example of that changing the plot is um, is Harrison Ford was a replicant all along. In Blade Runner. Yeah, in Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. In Blade Runner. You know, yeah, and then what's his name uh, comes out, the director comes out later and says, uh, yeah, he was a replicant. And you're like, what, what? that changes everything. That changes the entire point of what you were trying to say. And yeah. so, yeah, maybe saying Dumbledore was gay, it doesn't really... It doesn't uh, change the plot. Yeah, it doesn't affect the the themes or the plot of the books themselves. So I don't that that's where I would draw the line on an author talking about their own work. Are you trying to fix something you forgot or, or messed up? Or are you just trying to give more information that could be used? Or, quite frankly, if you don't want to buy into it, if you don't want to agree to it, you don't have to. Like, and if it's not part of the canon, yeah, I think that I I think the question can can be split even a little bit further. Is it a, is it a question of whether or not the author is trying to um, flesh out what they think everyone else should understand or were they trying to say this is where this comes from this is why I feel passionately about these issues I think those are two different kinds of questions and in that case I really am interested in hearing where this came from what it was that uh, that inspired the the author to write the way that they were and where all of this comes from knowing that these stories began uh, more or less as stories for her son 
um, trying to trying to help him understand unfair worlds and the fact that, yes, sometimes we have to deal with difficult things, but there is more to life than just the difficult things we're dealing with. Um, I, I appreciate that. I respect that. Um, but uh, and, and that and that helps me understand a little bit differently where a lot of the a lot of the writing then comes from. Um, so for me, I, I, I can see both sides of that. And it, it depends on what the what the intention is. If they're trying to convince us of thinking of a particular way about the way the work should be interpreted. No, absolutely. I, I'll, I'll take issue with that. But if it's trying to explain where it came from and why they're so passionate about it, I love it. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, I have a few more things that I'd like to talk about, but did you guys come with anything you wanted to bring up? Questions you wanted to throw out? Uh, or should I continue with my litany? Todd. I Todd. Nah, go, go for it. I didn't. So one of the things that I, um, and I've kind of mentioned this before, but I, but I wonder how the rest of you feel about it is the, the change in her writing style as it as it advanced through the series sorcerer stone philosopher stone depending on how where you picked up the book um is relatively straightforward yeah there are some plot twists but for the most part they were a little bit telegraphed and pretty easy to figure out uh unless you were a sixth grader reading the books for the first time and trying your first experience with novelizations but as we get farther along in the book she tries very hard to weave in lots of complicated plot details which is why the that first book was what 350 some odd pages and the last one was like 700 um what did you guys think about the the increasing complication that she was doing and and the change in her writing style as she moved through those did that did that distract you did that help the series i'm i have opinions but uh, you guys go ahead um, I appreciate the level of intelligence that it takes to do that. I feel like she was definitely growing as a writer. I had this conversation with my brother-in-law several years ago when we were talking about Harry Potter. I've never been super impressed with J.K. Rowling as a writer. I've been impressed with her as a storyteller, but not as a writer. I've never read a passage that she's written and just been blown away by her ability to construct a sentence or... You know, whatever it is, we've we've mentioned on the wheel of time a few a few times where we're like, man, that was a good piece of writing. Like, this is the way that they portrayed this character, or did this, or did that, um, was super great. I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, yeah. I've never been blown away like that with her writing. Um, I do feel like she did quite a bit of retconning because I don't believe for one second that Snape was going to play the role that he was going to play all the way from book one. And I'm okay with that. I mean, it's fine because it turned out to be a really excellent, um, character arc. Um, but I, and I think that that comes from her growing as a writer and having that different writing style and recognizing a minor character that she could put into the story a little bit more, but I don't believe that that was planned from the beginning. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. One of the things I really, really like, Todd, to answer your question about these books is that uh, book one is about 11-year-olds, and it's written for 11-year-olds. And then you move on through the series, and eventually you get to book seven, which is about 17-year-olds, and it's written for 17-year-olds. Uh, and so, it, you know, in an ideal world, you would read one book a year, and grow up with these characters in that way and the writing is a similar way now 
that being said, yeah, book five is a bit masturbatory where she just goes on and on and on and is very much in love with her own little creation there. And it's too long. But as far as the themes that are being introduced and the complexity of the plot and the complexity of the characters involved, I like how it grows along with its readership and along with its characters. Uh, so I've always thought that was a great bit of wizardry, so to speak. Ryan. No. no. That was so good. No, you're getting nothing from me for that. <laughs> I don't even pity your soul. <laughs> Uh, any any other responses or any other questions you guys want to move on to? No, Ryan, you look like you're about to speak. Well, I have I one of the things that is so amazing about this series, including books, video, uh, films, everything, um, is the real world application. All of a sudden, that it, certain aspects that shouldn't have translated have. As of today, right now. Up in Ogden, in Utah here, there is a giant Quidditch tournament uh, going on. This 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 goes right into one of the questions I had for everybody. I love the fact that people have taken a great story and some magic and said, okay, we're going to make this, we're going to put this into the real world. But of all the things there that, like, to try and make work in our world, Quidditch would not have been my first inclination. No. But, hey... You want to run around with the broom between your legs for 45 minutes to an hour or whatever and <laughs> risk what's going to happen with that. And so my question, my question is, what would be more embarrassing to watch with your mother? And this is the, this, this is something, these are both things that are, are widespread. Adult Quidditch for two hours or a Harry Potter themed porno? Because there's lots of that out there and they're both intensely embarrassing. It's just, it's a weird thing that people do. They run around with the broomsticks between their legs. I'm sorry. I bet some of our listeners do that, and I apologize. But I've always thought it was weird. Yeah. I never even thought of the other one. <laughs> Where did you come up with that? He says blushingly. Have you cleared your history recently I on your computer? Say, do we have to be worried about you? <laughs> Please. Please. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> no, I, anyway... I, I agree. Uh, Quidditch is not translatable and stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. I'm Well, that's the thing. Is like, <laughs> my point is slightly all, off from that is it doesn't translate, but, but people have made it. And that's a, that to me, that's a sign of, of an invested fan base that they've taken a piece and made it work. And that I'm, you know what? You want to go do that? I'm all for it. I mean, that's no worse than any other LARPing or anything else that's out there. And no, that's not true. I, well, yeah. I, no, I, I really, no, seriously, no, uh, LARPing, I'm on board with. Um, it, it's that's all you're doing with Quidditch it's, is LARPing it's the, with it's a, the exact with a same thing with a broom between your legs. That's and if that's if, oh, but it's so not because the broom doesn't fly, you idiots. And, and you, the wizard pointing the stick at you and saying, fireball, fireball, fireball. <laughs> Unless it's a Roman candle, it's not actually throwing something. And if it's a Roman candle, we arrest you. <laughs> but if we let you do it without the Roman candle, we say, oh, isn't that cute? I mean, the 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 idea that, that individuals want to take the time to do that um, and that they feel passionate enough about that, I think that's Adorable. Mag magnificent. Oh. I really do. 
Um, it is not something that I would choose, nor is it something that I would necessarily go out and say, gee, I better get a better broom so that I can be more effective at my Quidditch game. But, the Nimbus 2000. But, but you know what? If people are the fastest that... Fastest broom ever. If, if they're that passionate uh, about, about having some fun and bringing some joy <laughs> into their lives that way, I'll take it. I really want to know what magic or what goes into higher quality brooms because I... I don't understand why a wizard can't go to the Walmart, grab a $2 broom off the shelf and be like, super fasto, and now it's better than the <laughs> Firebolt 2000 or whatever. Is it just that it has like a softer like saddle seat, you know, less crotch itch? Like what's going on with the you will, broom? You will never like, understand broom mechanics, man. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. But I want to know does. I want to know where the broom spark plugs are. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. So I have a question for y'all. Now, the movies, uh, the Harry Potter films, are basically a roll call of great British actors of both stage and screen. The British acting world. It's it's almost like all these people got they they've been doing Shakespeare for years, and they thought, you know what? I just want to kind of let my hair down a little bit, and so I'm going to play this Professor McGonagall and ham it up and just have a ball with it. So all these people are having a great time. And uh, and I just thought, which respected British actor do you wish was in these films, Liam but is Neeson. not? I was always disappointed that Liam Neeson, they never found a place for him in, that, in this film, okay. in this series. What would they make him be? Professor of Punching? I, I don't. I don't know, and I don't I have a care. I just know spells. that he should have been there. <laughs> he should have been. He should have been the minister of magic, or some, or the minister of badassery, or something. He he would have made. Who was the minister in the last couple of books? Uh, uh, Bill, Kingsley no, Scrimgeour. Or Scrimgeour. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's not Billy Nighy, is it? Yeah, Bill Bill well, Nighy. Bill Nighy was. Yeah. Uh, he was fantastic. Yeah, as Scrimgeour. Anyway, uh, no, I, I was going to say Judy Dench. Kind of surprised Judy oh, Dench yeah, made, Judy never Dench. made it into these anywhere. Who would she but, have been? Uh, she she would have been a great sprout. Oh yeah, um, little bit part. Oh, don't look at me! I'm I'm getting a little look from the peanut gallery on the other side of the room over here. Gosh, we have a live audience. You know today. what? It it really it goes to goes to uh, to their credit how well they cast the entire um, series though. They're it, almost uh, in the adult parts at least they're almost perfectly cast yes I mean, well Imelda Staunton as, as Dolores Umbridge is probably <laughs> my favorite actor uh, to the role that they were in I mean she's just so she came right out of the page oh yeah absolutely she did such a fantastic job and I'd never seen her in anything else until after she was Umbridge but when I see her in other roles and then see her in Umbridge like wow she is so fantastic in that role. I can't think of any British actors that would not have, that their name would not have overshadowed their part. Because even like a lot of the great ones, like you recognize, you know, Alan Rickman, you recognize uh, Maggie, um, Maggie, Smith. Maggie Smith, you recognize them, but you look at them and you go McGonagall, you look at them and you go Snape. If you put like Patrick Stewart or something in there, you're like, no, it's Patrick Stewart. I don't I, care who you are. I don't that's know if Patrick I buy Stewart. That. Um, oh, yeah. It's, or, it's the same reason why I would have a hard time if like Dumbledore had been played by Christopher Lee or Ian McKellen or something like that, because it would have been Ian McKellen, Christopher Lee. Yeah. There's a handful of people who are just that step too high to have not 
overshadowed their character. Well, and by the time Richard Harris had died, who was, in my opinion, the perfect Dumbledore, uh, mm-hmm. Ian McKellen would have been awful because everybody would have just seen Gandalf at that point. Yeah. Um, who who was it in movie number two who played the uh, the professor they brought in for dark, dark arts kenneth branagh kenneth branagh, kenneth branagh. yeah that's that's one where you cannot escape like oh that, it's kenneth branagh being kenneth branagh but still it's perfect. if you know who he is and, yeah and delightfully done what about sean bean oh you know he might have made a good voldemort yeah i mean it's hard to see anyone but ralph fines as voldemort but isn't it rafe i've heard it's rafe, rafe fines rafe, rafe fines rafe fines fine <laughs> fines I actually <laughs> <laughs> first time I ever came across that where it was I was auditioning for HMS Pinafore and they were the main character in that is Rafe Rackstraw and it's it's R A L P H which to the every other American is Ralph and the guy's like before you go to audition you need to know this is Rafe Rackstraw not Ralph if you say Ralph you will be laughed at and you will never be a part of that production. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I would have said Ralph. <laughs> I hate Gilbert and Sullivan. I hate Gilbert and Sullivan so bad. Okay, so because the- everyone has to do one. Theater people being theater people. All right. Uh, all right. So I think we're we're coming up on our last few minutes here. I also wonder if I could get your unpopular Harry Potter opinions. So anything from the books or movies. Now, I've already expressed how I think the first movie is the best one made. That's a highly unpopular opinion, but that's probably the only four-star movie of the bunch as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's That that movie is awesome. And and you know what? I'm While you guys are all thinking of this, I'll just tell you that a, I cannot watch that movie all the way through and get to the end without tearing up can't do it oh. when uh, at the very end when uh, Dumbledore gets up and he says uh, and he hands out the final points and then he he gives 10 points to Neville and everybody erupts in cheers and Neville is just so like gobsmacked by what's going on oh it's beautiful beautiful filmmaking beautiful did storytelling did we just hear that Craig has a heart <laughs> it's <laughs> gas he doesn't know the difference <laughs> that makes more sense that makes more sense because he's eaten too much popcorn by that point yep I think I think my unpopular opinion is that I think that Harry being a Horcrux is the stupidest thing in the world. Um, I feel like he should have died at the end, and people are like, "Oh, he did die at the end," and I'm like, "Shut he up! No, no, he real, didn't. Died, died. Um, yes, I feel like it was a cop out to keep the hero yep. alive. Obviously, the whole idea of seven Horcruxes and then becoming eight Horcruxes, dumb. Yeah, I, I dumb, think- dumb, dumb, dumb." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's very eloquent, Kyle. Yep. Um, no, I I totally agree. If I think it's a case of the author falling in love with her work and her characters, and she could mm-hmm. not let him go. She knew he was supposed to die. She knew mm-hmm. he had to die for this to become and, a a a historically great yep. work, and she couldn't do it. Yep. And yep. the fact that Hermione ends up with Ron is the most <laughs> unbelievable piece of writing ever. Oh, I don't know. We're going through Wheel of Time. There's some iffy uh, stuff you going are wanted. I would take. I'll take any of the Wheel of Time relationships over Ron and Hermione all day long. Ooh. I'll Ooh. take. I'll take Rand having 15 wives over Hermione and Ron ending up together. It makes zero sense. I got one that I would throw in your face if the others were at that point, but they're not. So. Yeah, we're not that yeah. far ahead yet. So, 
Uh, any other unpopular Harry Potter opinions, I, Ken? I disagree. It seems like a prevailing theory, but or a theme, it's but I, I disagree with you, Kyle. That uh, I, do I saw you that... have any unpopular Harry Potter opinions? Yes, but I I saw that I saw that relationship coming from the first time they met. Like, oh, those two because they're the best friends of the the lead characters. That makes those two have sense. to get together. No, it should have been Harry and Hermione all the way, all the way. Okay, no. what's your unpopular Harry Potter opinion, Ken? Oh, you didn't actually lost, have one. Todd, did you have one? That Harry living with his uh with his aunt and uncle made sense. Um Oh, that like you're a fan of the Dursley storyline? I'm I'm a fan of the importance of the Dursley storyline. Um I think that that is that is one of the things that that when I talk to people they're like, "Oh, it's horrible. Why didn't he just blah 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 blah?" And I'm like, "I get it." I get it. There's uh, the way that she wrote it and the way that she wanted to deal with it. The fact that there is something, uh, something different about family relationships than there is about friend relationships. I, I buy it. I like it. I, I take do it. Do you then ascribe, do you then as- ascribe to the theory of them Subscribe. being worse? Um, because he is a Horcrux. Um, that no. Being around oh, the Horcrux. Oh, that they're such awful people because he is The a longer that he spends with them, they're affected by him being a Horcrux, which has made them worse and worse. I've never heard that. I hadn't heard that before. Uh, yeah. It's I, been like a year or so since yeah. that fan. Yeah, I don't really read out. Pottermore, so. I'm, I, I wouldn't necessarily go there. I think, I think they're. Because he's not a Horcrux? I've seen enough, <laughs> I've seen enough situations where, where there's jealousy and, and bigotry in families uh, because of choices that are made um, and and choices that are embraced, so I'm not necessarily going to go that direction. But I but I do recognize that there's something different about family relationships, even when they're really nasty with each other. I don't know that I have a really unpopular opinion about Harry Potter. I have one that I think something that I wanted that did not happen, and for good reason. Um, for the same reasons that you guys think Harry should have died, I think Sirius should have come back. That what? Serious black. Okay, I, I heard Siri, and I was like, "Whoa, we changed gears." Yeah, no, that Sirius should have came, come back. There was no brain matter. Nothing happened there. He just he got hit and went through this the uh, the portal uh, thing, through the veil of death, which is like honestly the best part of the Order of the Phoenix. Oh, for sure. Uh, oh yeah. Um, but as a whole, like I kept waiting. I'm like, he's got to come back. That character needs to come back. He's hanging out with the Elfin and the Elfin. Yeah, he's gonna get magic memories. <laughs> yeah, he needs to come back. Um, and that was a wheel of time joke for those of you not keeping up. When and the fact that he does in the force ghost sense of you know when Harry's battling the wand and the people are coming whatever. But other than that, like I, I'm okay with the decisions that were made. I don't really have a whole lot of my. Here you go. Here's my unpopular opinion. Um, I agree with everything J.K. Rowling says and does. <laughs> Dumbledore should not have given Gryffindor this house cup at the end of the first book. Oh, get out. (laughs) (laughs) You spend a whole year, you know, with this whole disciplinary system and reward system, and then at the end you're just like, F it, I'm going to do what I want anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Dumbledore just turned into like this Jersey Shore character. (laughs) F it, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Gryffindor. All right, you get 10 points, you get 10 points, and now what? You you funny looking kid over there. You stood up to your friends. You get the last five. I'm not even going to give you the same of the others. You get five. (sighs) Ah. No, that's so. One of one of my things about these books I'm is that uh, door. What you gonna do about it? <laughs> <laughs> that was awful. That was truly awful. Uh, no, I, I 
there's there's a common complaint which is that uh oh it's totally unbelievable that all these plots would come up and they they all take precisely a year to come to fruition so that you always have yes. that you always have the it's climax really nice at the end of the, the dark year. lord to attack exactly. Harry at the end of the school year and, so he can get all of his studying done and i've always i've always <laughs> thought like i i get it i get the complaint i just don't really care because it's such good storytelling and so that's kind of the same way i feel about that like the first book yeah, uh, it like I said before, it is made for eleven-year-olds, and so it makes perfect sense right. to me that Dumbledore would say, "Nope, screw it. Our heroes are getting the cup because that's what an eleven-year-old audience needs to have happen." And as as an eleven-year-old, it makes sense. But yeah. it, yeah, I'm I'm with Ryan on that. My 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 chiefest complaints weren't really unpopular opinions; they were just every little convenient plot device through every book that I just they so were irritating to me. That's we better all. we better cut and run. But I'll give you the first final thought, Ken. And your final thought is going to be the answer to this question. If you were to be Harry Potter for one of the seven years, if you had to live through one of these stories, which one would it be and why? You have 20 seconds and no more. If I could live through each one, I would want to live through the first one where I'm discovering everything, where everything is new, and where I can learn to fly on a broom and play Quidditch. So cool. And where you find out you're rich AF. Exactly, where my mom and dad, who are dead, left me a convenient amount of gold. Yes, I would love that. All right, The first one, that's when I live. I'm with Ken, first one, because there's so much hope at the end of that one. All the rest of them carry with them some real real pain starting to develop. So if I have to pick one, I'm going to pick that one. Okay. Kyle? Uh, probably the Half-Blood Prince, because I'm just thinking how easy college would have been had I found a magic te- textbook that gave me all the answers to everything. <laughs> it would have been fantastic. Plus, he gets like all these sweet perks because of it. So, yeah. Okay. Ryan? I'm torn between Goblet of Fire and Deathly Hallows. Um, Goblet of Fire, because doing all those things would be really cool. The sports, the Triwizard Cup. Um, and also to attend the Wizard World Cup. I mean, that'd be awesome. Um, but I think doing everything that needed to be done in the Deathly Hallows would be it would be just such an amazing cool adventure. Adventure. Yeah, yeah. I I would say number four, Goblet of Fire, for some of the reasons you outlined. I at first I was gonna say number two, Chamber of Secrets, but then I realized that would be like they everybody's on the edge of their seat, like biting their nails the whole year because like people are getting all frozen up in here and uh and that's that's a tense book so i ultimately i think i'd go with number four because yeah the world cup would be awesome to go to i get to watch actual quidditch and not grown people in the park <laughs> running around with rooms <laughs> between their legs trying to chase a dude in a gold <laughs> suit <laughs> oh man uh and um and the triwizard tournament would be awesome i i would love to breathe underwater uh, I'm terrified of the water, and I think that would be a good way for me to get over that. Watching so. Robert Pattinson get killed? I've, hey, I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> that would be actually the worst part about that would be the end of book four. That would, that would suck. Uh, okay, anyway, we'd better... Wait, we got to ask one more question before oh, okay, we go. Okay, here we, we gotta, go. Or otherwise, I'm going to tick off a, a, one listener. Uh, saddest death. What? Saddest? Saddest death. Oh, possibly Cedric. Um... Yeah, possibly Cedric. I will go with, um, and I can't think of her name. Uh, her, she had Tonks. Tonks, yeah, oh, that was yeah. that's a rough one. Tonks made me sad. 
Well, Tonks and Lupin both. Lupin, yeah. I was happy they were together, but I was sad that, that the two of them had to go. Leaving an orphan. I just, yeah. I think, um, I think Cedric is sadder just because um, it, it's so senseless. There's no point to his death, which is part of why I think it's more affecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know what I mean? Like with with Tonks and Lupin, they're they're fighting for the cause and blah blah blah. This kid was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and uh, paid the price, and I think that's incredibly sad. Hmm. Fred. He goes with Tonks and Lupin for me, though. For me, it was hard because I have twins. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. We we didn't handle that day very well in the Winty house. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Kyle? Uh, probably my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you get to the end, you, you're, 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 you're all grown up. <laughs> uh, okay, on game, that note. Game over. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Legendary Podcast. We do appreciate everybody uh, listening in. And uh, once again, go to patreon.com slash legendarium and support the program there. We have some very exciting stuff on the horizon. We have been sitting down for the last few weeks and trying to hash out just what a video version of the Legendarium podcast would look like. Star and wipes. So, so lots and lots of star wipes and, <laughs> and, lens, uh, flares. and lens flares. Lens flares. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, so we, we are trying to figure that out. It will take uh, some significant investment on the part of the podcast for us to get video up and running and to bring you guys some fun content on YouTube. And so we will need your help at patreon.com slash legendarium. Uh, every dollar counts. Uh, every Everybody who joins up at patreon can give as little as one dollar per episode and we really appreciate everybody who does so and we really are excited to start bringing you some more content that way uh now the last thing i'll mention like i did right up top is the legendarium.reddit.com and i know that in the last 61 minutes we have said at least three things that have made you angry and I want to hear about them. Or very happy if uh, if some of you are severe misanthropes like me. Uh, go online, go to reddit, thelegendarium.reddit.com and join in the conversation there. We are going to be happy to hear from you all and engage with you there. And uh, we'll see you all next time, I guess, for probably Wheel of Time episode coming up next. Um, anyway, thanks for joining in, everybody. Uh, thanks for coming, you guys. Have an awesome week, and I'll see you next time. Bye.